Hey, sports fans, you're tuned into the Emerald City Fandom Podcast. We're Seattle fans talking Seattle sports. We're your hosts. I'm Connor Fredrickson. And I'm Sam Hoganson. You ready to get started? Let's send it. Welcome back to the pod, folks. This is episode 28, and we have a couple birthdays this week that we're celebrating. Might I welcome in my my usual co-host and colleague, Sam Hoganson. His birthday is tomorrow. Sam, how are you tonight? Feeling old, brother. Feeling old. <laughs> older by the day. Older by the day. And joining us tonight also is, is our uh, good buddy, Justin, from Over the Top EPL. Justin? Your birthday was on Monday. How are you doing, sir? Feeling ancient, actually. But other than that, I'm feeling You're really well. You're younger than us, man. Yeah, I am. I am only only in age, but not in health and spirit. But that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. You're a young pup. Yeah. You got to bring the energy, man. We're going to be I'll doing this energy. podcast when we're like 65, and you're going to be a young 63, and you're going to really <laughs> oh, need to yeah. carry the weight. I don't know. I feel like I'm going to get more fired up about Husky football and sports as I age. Yeah. Question, Sam, are you going to, are you going to start going to games? Or are you thinking you're going to be like the perpetual at home viewer? Um, that's a good question. And I guess that's actually some good insight for the listeners that listen to me ramble about Husky football all the time. I've never been a big Husky stadium game day guy. Not because I don't enjoy it. I mean, I did when I was a student there, I'd go to the games. But for the most part, I grew up watching Husky football every weekend with my grandpa and my dad. So I've always kind of been like at home with the older Hoganson generations watching the purple and gold. But grandpa passed on a couple of years ago. So now it's just me and my dad. And then the three of us, we obviously get together for games too. So I don't know. I don't think I'll be able to drag Daddy Sam down to Husky Stadium for games. He's likes the comfort of his big old couch, big old TV, and big old refrigerator. So <laughs> I don't know. But one of the things I was actually talking to him about, which we should do, and I think would be really fun if you guys are both down for the spring game, is my dad was saying we should take the RV down in the morning and tailgate and like cook up some breakfast maybe have a breakfast beer or two. It'd be pretty fun. I'd be super down. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah, so we might have to hook that up. So long-winded answer, but I don't know. I would like to probably cherry pick a game or two each year at some point and go. But, I mean, I've been going to practice every day. (laughs) (laughs) I don't blame you. I mean, the at-home experience for football is just so good. For me – For me, like the biggest deal breaker too was like, we kind of got screwed. I mean, we got the new stadium, which was awesome. But when they moved the student section to the back of the end zone, it sucked from a viewing perspective. And I've always been such a football nerd that like, I was always there to watch the game and like really try to like dissect and analyze what's going on. And on like third and short run plays, I couldn't tell if we gained five yards or lost five yards. There's no depth perception from back there. And to your point, like on TV, you have the best viewing angle on every play. Sorry, I, I, I derailed us, Connor. 
What are you thinking? Bringing up Husky football right off the bat. I don't know what I. What do you think is going to happen? Sorry, we're not talking. I'll I'll shut up now. We thought this was going to be a Sounders preview, but it's actually just going to be Sam going off about practice again today. But we'll get talk about practice. Ain't no games. We're talking about practice. Talking about practice. Come on. All right. Well, now that that order of business is out of the way, what are you guys sipping on tonight, Justin? I know that you're kind of on the mend, so you're kind of back to your old ways here. But why don't you? I'm having. I don't know if you want to to share this with the listeners or not. But oh, I'll share it. Um, Enoch Bradshaw, my my best friend. I'm having some water in your honor. So, to true uh, my to live up to my true reputation of water boy, I have some water tonight. Hydrating for that vaccine. Right. That's right. Water boy. What about you, Sam? Well, I'm going back to my old trusty ways as well, Justin, and I'm working on some Jack Daniels. In fact, I think that would probably help you out too. I'm gonna have to ship you some. Ooh. Okay. How about you, Connor? <laughs> uh, I'm currently working on an Elysian Contact Haze IPA, hazy IPA. Um pretty good but i might have to go grab a vitamin r after this as well so Ooh, rainier ranier no, little ranier west action it's pretty good yeah pretty 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 good <laughs> pretty good pretty pretty good all right guys uh we have we're gonna touch on a little bit of everything i think today but the first thing that we want to start off with and obviously i've just on the podcast is the sounders are playing a match tomorrow or today as you guys are listening to this opening match against minnesota united at lumen field the Lou, as they're calling it is that what it's called the dirty Lou. is that is that what people are calling it i don't know i honestly i'm not sure i just oh i'm like that. i haven't heard that but i'm probably that's pretty, probably that's pretty sticky yeah, I sure mean, yeah, we just said it on this podcast, so boom, it's right. going to stick. Got there it. you go. It's happening. Um, and the game kicks off at 6.30 p.m. I believe it's on FS1. And there will be fans in the stands. Um, I guess I didn't get the count. I think it's around 7,000. 7,000? Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's how many are allowed. And I know that there was a lot of controversy around, like, ticket release i didn't have a lot of insight on this i just saw a bunch of shit on twitter about like people bitching about it basically just yeah, do they... you have any kind of insight on that as far as like what happened with like the whole ticket master ticket release with them kind of like staging it out in different priorities and stuff yeah there was people were in really long queues is what my understanding is so they had like mm-hmm. these set like waves of releases for different like I don't know, previous season ticket holders and whatnot. And they like waiting in the queue and it like wouldn't refresh or whatnot. So it was like a big controversy. Yeah. That's what I I heard secondhand, but I am not a season ticket holder anymore. So, and I'm, I'm assuming some of that came from that. They might not have been really prepared for the demand because they were kind of waiting for Inslee to announce if King County was going to go back to phase two or stay in phase three. And that didn't happen. That update was happening like Monday, I think of this week. So um, they kind of were reacting off of that, but I, I mean, at the same time, they, they need to be pro- more pre- prepared for that. I feel like that was pretty inexcusable. So 
For sure. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's really cool. I mean, 7,000 seems so little, but yeah. it's really cool to get fans back in the stands. I mean, for sure. last time Sounders played in front of a crowd, I think was March 7th. Could be wrong about the date, but it was against the crew last right. last March. And uh, that I remember that game. I remember it's like the it was like the least sold out game of Sounders history almost. And it was 33,000. So well, when you talk about controversy, it was very controversial to have that game yeah. with fans yeah. too. Um, and obviously we know what came of that afterwards. <laughs> and in hindsight, they probably wouldn't have had that game, but um, they did. And yeah, that was the last time that fans were in back then CenturyLink Field to watch a live sporting event. So what's the, crazy. what's the current limit for T-Mobile Park for the Mariners? Isn't it 9,000? Nine, Why would that yeah. be higher than seven thousand when so Lumen Field I think is the, bigger? Yeah, I think it has to do with um, that the Sounders don't sell out the stadium. Like they close seating, off the top bowl or something. Yeah, their seating capacity isn't the full stadium think, usually. Gotcha. They only open that up for a select few matches, usually like rivalry matches with the Timbers or playoff matches and stuff like that. Gotcha. So. Um, I think that's what they're basing it off of. So anyway, yeah, we got a Sounders preview tonight with Justin, and we're going to be leaning heavily on you, Justin, because I have not done a whole lot of Sounders research in the past, you know, couple of weeks. I've somewhat kept up a little bit with the preseason, and they've had a few matches. Um, none of them were televised or anything like that. So you're kind of basing your basing off highlights and reporters like what they saw. Um, but just like some general updates here, um, change in formation. I know we mentioned it on the last podcast that we had that we were talking about Sounders, and that's probably the the biggest thing to note here is is that they're going to change formation to what looks like it's going to be a three five two. We talked about it possibly being a four four two. We know that there's going to be two strikers, but everything that they were playing in the preseason was that three five two formation. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? What does that really mean as far as like, does it leave you more susceptible on the back end? Does it make you more, um, dangerous on the offensive side of the ball? Uh, are, are you more of a possession team at that point? Like, what is your opinion on like a three, five, two formation versus their usual four, two, one, two, one. Yeah. So those are all really good questions. So starting with, um, does it make us more defensive? And the answer is it depends, right? So the nice thing about a three, five, two is it can turn into a five, three, two really quickly. And so that's where the defenders, those wing backs, as they call them, drop in, um, a little deeper. And so yeah. they will support those three center backs a little more. Whereas what the Sounders were playing in preseason granted some shitty opponents, um, they were pushing Brad Smith and Alex Roldan higher to push them in more towards uh, being a midfielder. And so it's nice to have that hybrid uh, model. It creates tracking problems for the other team, tracking the runners and they're coming from deep where they weren't marked. So um, it's probably getting a little too technical, but yeah, that's um, I really like this formation and it suits the Sounders because when we were discussing the four, four, two in our episode a month ago or so, I was concerned with how the Sounders were going to fill the out wide positions for a four four two, because we, I mean, obviously no Jordan Morris, but like, yeah, Kellen Rowe can play out there. Or, yeah. I was saying a Brad Smith can play out there, but you know, he's more a defender than a midfielder. 
Um, whereas now our center mids can stay more centrally. I mean, they'll drift into the areas where the ball is, but they'll still be central. But now Brad Smith can play in that wing back position, and then we can have a right wing back, whether that's you know one A option, which is probably Alex Roldan, or one B as in Kellen Rowe. So I, I really like this fit for our current squad structure. Nice, yeah. And then because we're going to be playing three technically at the back it's 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 three center backs typically mm -hmm. and so you got yamar and you have ariaga those are those two are pretty solidified i think but then i've heard like are they going to start shane o'neill are they going to start new who in that third like center back position do you have any like insider guesses there at what they do or is it going to be like a game by game basis are they just going to rotate their yeah, I mean, my my guess, and it's not fun, is I think they're going to rotate because mm -hmm. of, you know, the MLS schedule and the traveling and all that's involved there. Um, New Who just makes more mistakes than Shane O'Neill does. Not that Shane O'Neill doesn't because we've seen him make some blunders before in the playoffs. But uh, New yeah. Who's a little, I mean, like if you look at passing percentages and all the soccer stats out there, He's just a little more risky and careless with the ball. So if when you're in a center back position, you need to be really tidy, um, even more tidy than you are as a left back, because, you know, you're right in the heart of the goal, like right down Broadway, as they say. So um, for the first match, I'm leaning that they're going to start O'Neal. Um, mm -hmm. But um, I'm sure we'll see a lot of rotation with new who getting playing time at that left center back position and then just filling in for left back as well. Um, yeah. Or left wing back, I should say. Right. Because yeah, he could fill in for Brad Smith as well. Right. Um, and then I guess we should get to the, the main injury news here. Nico Ladero, uh, unlikely to play in this first match against Minnesota. Schmetzer's calling it day to day. I think a lot of other reports are thinking it's going to be a few weeks. Um, so we'll see, I guess, what happens. Um, I've seen, I guess, anywhere between that. I don't know what your take is on it, Justin. I've, I mean, I've, I've heard through the rumor mill that he could be out like three to four weeks possibly, but they're calling it day to day right now. And you thought that it might only be a couple matches. Um, so I don't know like what you've seen there. How does that impact the, the roster and who do you think starts in his place then tomorrow if he's not not able to go? Yeah, I mean, from what I was reading, it looks like, I mean, I know what Schmetzer said yesterday um, on KJR, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that he's going to play this week for sure. Mm -hmm. um, LAFC looks at doubt too. So I'm thinking he's probably going to come back for the Galaxy game at home. Mm -hmm. I, I would I would think they would put him back for a home game to start but yeah um that that's just a guess based on what i heard and i don't probably have any more information than you but i'm guessing he's going to be a couple weeks um as far as who's going to take his place well in the last preseason game we had homegrown um josh atencio play in that position um almost like a cdm kind of mm -hmm. player uh, and he's only 19 years old, but he really impressed uh, the brass in preseason. And of course, I was only able to watch highlights because these games weren't televised, but um, everyone was raving about his performances. So um, nice to have youngsters coming up and playing well. And what that would do is that would push Jao Paolo and Christian Roldan a little bit higher. And so you think of the three, it's kind of like a V formation with the tents here yep. at the bottom. And then you'd have Roldan on the right and Jao Paolo on the left, likely 
of that center mid trio. Yeah, I th- I think I probably agree with you there. The only other name that I'm going to throw out there is Danny Leva. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that he is kind of one of their young rising stars as well. He's more of an attacking option. So you'd probably keep um, both uh, Christian Roldan and Jao Paulo further back then and have him more the, tr- the point of that triangle if he was to start. Um, yeah, I'm, but I I'm guess thinking... I, I haven't paid attention if he's played much this preseason or kind of if, if if he's healthy or how he's running with the team right now. Oh, and I think he'll get some minutes, no doubt. I mean, especially like say the Sounders are down one zero in the 60th minute. Like I could mm-hmm. see them pulling Atencio and putting Leva on, and then Jao mm-hmm. Palo would sit in like the deep V of the three. Yeah. So. I think that's a good call, and it depends on the game. But I think for this game or this Ladero entry, I think Atencio has impressed a little more than Leva has in the preseason. And maybe keep a little bit more experience forward than than if you had Leva further up and then um, both Zhao Paulo and Christian Roldan back. Maybe you bump both of the experienced players up to make your attack a little bit more possibly a little bit more dangerous too. So um, let's break down this roster though, I guess a little bit, I guess we, I mean, we've, we've hinted at most of it, I guess, but who are kind of like, what's your expected, I guess, just starting 11 for the game tomorrow, just overall. Um, I know we've kind of mentioned some names here and there, but obviously doing that three, five, two formation, it's a little bit different than what we're used to from the typical Sounders formation in the past what's what's your expected starting 11 for the first game tomorrow and then and then we'll get into some predictions as far as who we think is going to lead the team this year yeah so sam pop quiz who's gonna start in goal for the sounders oh shit uh i don't know how to say his name stefan fry yeah perfect Perfect. just be confident that's all you have to do it's not casey keller (laughs) yeah clint dempsey's starting too oh hell yeah we're gonna win it all um so yeah stefan Fryingle, and then yamar i think is a lock for defense no question about it he's our number one choice center back you think he'll be the the middle center back i do i do i think he's the most solid and i think that would be the that would be the smart choice now whether (laughs) they actually do that um is a different story but i think that would be the smart choice I think okay. they're going to have Ariaga on the right-hand side uh, of that center back. So if you mm-hmm. have three center backs, there'd be one on the right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think they'll have, man, it's it's like 55-45 between Shane O'Neill and Nuhu. I could see it going either way. I think you're probably right with O'Neill. That's my I think guess. O'Neill for the first game, but I could see Nuhu playing well and you know starting having a run yeah. of starts. But for Friday's game, I'm going to go O'Neill. I'm going to go Alex Roldan on the right. Hopefully he's really improved this offseason because I was not impressed, but we also don't really have another option, right? Um, right? He had good stretches. He really did. I don't want to bag on the kid too much, but... He played well towards the end of the year and then had a really rough final and then the game before that, I think. Yeah, too, against Minnesota, well. right? Yeah. I mean, in the, he, did, <laughs> he didn't have a great start to that game. I guess we'll just mm. we'll just start there. Um, and then Brad Smith on the left-hand side to be the left wing back. So that's kind of your, like your five or three yep. or whatever, however you want to call it in the middle, um, guaranteed Christian Roldan and Joe Paolo are going to start. 
Um, and then I think they're going to see Atencio in there to replace Ladero, who would have been obviously a must start as the captain of this team. Mm-hmm. Forwards, you know, two forwards. This is the first time in a while. I mean, Sounders have been playing a 4 2 3 1 since I think 2015, 2016, 2016. So yeah. they've been in that formation for a long time. Raul Ruiz Diaz should start. You know, I mean, he didn't have a long preseason, but I think he'll still right. be in there. Um, you know, Brian Schmetzer has talked up Will Bruin and getting minutes in there, but I think he's going to start Freddie. I really do. I think Freddie's going to get the start. I think he's been playing really well in preseason and really impressing mm-hmm. in practices. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this could be a dumb pick, but I, I think Freddie gets the start on Friday. I think that would be even even if he like might not that play the whole game being, well yeah and even that if that doesn't end up being your normal starting 11 which i think it should be by the way but even if they're usually going to start brewing ahead of montero starting montero for this first game back just seems fitting you know like obviously kind of one of the og sounders your leading goal scorer in club history coming back in front of fans for the first time in over a year. It just makes a lot of sense. I feel like to, to start him um, tomorrow. So I hope, I hope they do, but I love, I love bear too. I mean, he's, he, he definitely serves his role and he's, he's always comes up with timely goals. I feel like I kind of like him off the bench, honestly, but yeah, I mean, he was paid to be, I mean, cause we're in that one striker system for so long. I mean, he's paid right. to be a backup striker and whether through its injury or coming on in, in, um, you know, late game stages, like he's been, you've, he's done more than he's been asked to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, yeah, I have no problem with him getting minutes, but I just think the team is a little more dynamic and dangerous with Montero in there. And for the sure. coaches have been raving about him in preseason saying he's, He's aged maturely and he has a good head on his shoulders and he's really happy to be back. I mean, the reason he went to Vancouver is because it was close to Seattle because his family is still here. And so he would commute back and forth. He has a coffee place here, as I think we discussed on the last episode. Um, He has building a house here. So this is like the place he wants to be. So it might probably will be his last stop before he retires. So hopefully that's at least a couple of years because I think he still has some good ball left in him. Yeah, for sure. He's shown glimpses over the past few years with Vancouver. So, um, so given all, all, all this information, I guess let, let's let's make a few predictions here. There, there's not a whole lot of like statistical categories in soccer, so I only have a few things down here. Obviously, you can get like into the data analytics world, like Justin yeah. probably would love to, but um, mm. I don't have enough knowledge for that. So <laughs> we're just gonna stick to the the basics here. So we're going to predict goals, assists, yellow cards, just kind of for a fun, like defensive statistic. And then obviously where we think they're going to finish in the West um, as far as their placing. So let's start off with goals. I think we're all in agreement here, but um, Sam, let's enter, let's enter you into this conversation. Who do you think is going to lead the Sounders in goals this year? Well, I think we're all in agreement on this one. I think it will be without a doubt Rui Diaz. As much as I want Christian rolled on to lead the team with goals. <laughs> Bicycle kick goals too. Yeah, yeah. In, in in the MLS Cup particularly. But <laughs> I think Raul probably takes the cake on this one. Maybe with a with a late push from Freddie would be fun. That would be fun. That would be that fun. Would be yeah. fun. I think barring any injury, it'd be really surprising to not have Raul Ruiz Diaz. 
um, leading the team in goals. It's what he's paid to do is score goals and he's your number one striker. So I, I just don't, there's other guys that definitely could push him, but he should definitely get the bulk of the opportunities. I think maybe to make this topic a little bit more interesting is mm-hmm. if Jordan Morris was not injured, mm-hmm. who do you pick? Who would you I would still Let's... I would still pick Rui Diaz, but yeah. um, Morris would probably be second. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you hit it hit the nail on the head, Sam. I think Montero could make a push. But I think Rui Diaz is just, he's been your poacher for so long and he hasn't shown signs of slowing down or anything. So it'd be hard to pick anyone else. The the only way that I could see, like, and it's a good take, Sam, because, like, obviously with the two two striker formation, I mean, they're each going to play off each other and each, Mm -hmm. like, it just depends on who ends up being kind of the playmaker and who ends up being the finisher. Um, And I think it's expected that Montero might be the playmaker and Rui Diaz will be the finisher, but. That could totally reverse too. I mean, they're equally capable of doing both. So, um, well, I think all of us are in agreement that Rui Diaz definitely Montero is definitely a name to watch out for us, especially if he is your normal starter at that number two striker role. So, assists, we are not in agreement here. So, let's start off with you, Sam, your boy. Go, dogs. Christian rolled on from his midfield position <laughs> is going to lead this team in assists. It's not that crazy. It's not that crazy. I think it's last not... year he was third on the team with assists. Sounds about so right. It's not wild. And, you know, just throwing my dog a bone, baby. I like yeah, it. I, I mean, yeah, I don't hate the pick, but it's hard for me to pick. I mean, I could see, I like, I mean, I'll let Connor, you say yours, but I, I think Nicholas Ladero is really runs the show here, mm-hmm. um, especially with this three, five, two formation, he's going to sit at that top in the center and you're going to have wing backs that are running wide, but also he's going to be feeding more forward runs because there are two people to pass to now and not just one. So you have Montero and Rui Diaz who are both going to get the bulk of the shot. So I think he, with him controlling that space just opens up the amount of opportunities that he can create. So I'm going to go with Nicholas Ladero. Good call. I'm. I mean, that's that's the obvious call, right? Is is Ladero, I think, and um, just his role in the team, and he's been leading the team in assists, I think, pretty much since he's been here. Um, so, and in that kind of cam role, though, he's I guess he's still probably that in this formation. It's just a little bit different with the like you were saying with the two forwards up top. Mm-hmm. But because of this change in formation, I also think there's going to be a lot more opportunities for the strikers to play off of each other. And that's why I'm picking the second striker in Freddie Montero, or at least my pick for the second striker in Freddie Montero, because I think there's going to be a lot of interplay between him and Rui Diaz. And it seems like it's happened a little bit already in preseason. And I would love to see that happen more as the season starts. And um, I don't know, like, like you were saying, I think Freddie still has some good ball left in him. And he's a little bit more technical now, I think, than he was when he was younger. He was certainly technical back then, but he definitely had a more athletic component. He's definitely slowed down a little bit now, but um, great first touch still. And um, obviously can put the ball in a good place for Rui Diaz and tee it up for him. So I think that he's going to be kind of your playmaker up top and obviously him and Ladero and uh, Rui Diaz. That's, I mean, that's a formidable trio right there. So I think 
all three of those guys could lead the teams, the team in either goals or assists. And I think it's going to be in a, a very, um, a very threatening trio of, of goal scoring opportunities there. But my, my, my pick for assist leading is, is Montero. So my wild card is Brad Smith from the left. It's not a bad call. I mean, um, we've seen what Morris can do right. on that side. And I think the Sounders are pretty um, attacking heavy from that side. They don't attack that well, I feel like, from the right. It's mostly kind of been because of personnel. And with Jordan Morris, they've been able to do that a lot better from the left-hand side. But um, Brad Smith is a really good attacking option also on that on that left side. So that's a good call. All right, yellow cards. We also are not in agreement here, but this is just kind of a fun one. I I thought so. <laughs> you didn't Sam want to go. F- you didn't want to go full bore on red cards here. No, because that's so hard to predict. That's just like honestly, kind of random. I feel like. Yeah, I suppose I'm going with Jao Paulo. I think you know he had his fair share of yellow cards last season, <laughs> and yeah going with him i think he's going to be in the game have plenty of opportunities to hack so that's my guy he's a professional fowler i'm gonna go with alex roldan i think in right wing back he's gonna be chasing a lot of people that are faster than him because he's gonna get burnt and so he's gonna be pulling on a lot of jerseys you love shitting on alex roldan i know he's like your least favorite player in the mls yeah so I think he's not, he's not denying it. I, think he's gonna, uh, I, I mean, that's not true. I mean, there are players that I dislike more, a lot of them on the Timbers, but yeah, I, I think he's your least be, favorite sounder. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> not even close. <laughs> what about you, Connor? Um, I'm going with Ariaga. Um, I just think it's probably going to be one of those three center backs and he's definitely the least, uh, um, I don't know. He, he, he tends to get out of position easiest, I feel like. Um, and he gets himself out of position and then he kind of overcompensates for it. And I think that's going to kind of bite him in the ass, especially I, we've seen it happen before. And I think just with this new formation, you're going to see some weird struggles towards the beginning of the year, especially. And especially if you don't going back to kind of our, our goals and assists, I, w- I was saying, I think that attacking trio is going to be super dangerous, but if Ladero's out for the first couple of weeks. And I mean, you're still getting some chemistry with Montero in there too. It might take a little bit of time for them to start really scoring some goals. And in that same token, I'm saying, I think the, the defense might struggle to begin with just because it's a different formation and obviously kind of covering different areas of the field with that three at the back. All right. Where do you guys think that we're going to finish in the West? Justin, I'm going to go to you first. I think we're going to finish second. I mean, we lost some players. I mean, as we previewed before with Gustav mm-hmm. and Kelvin Leardom and one other player. Why is it escaping me? Um, but at the end of the day, I think we're still one of the strongest teams in the West. If you look at all the rosters out there and the continuity of this team and how we play, I think we're finishing second. I really do. I think it's another really good season for the Sounders. And do you think it's uh, LAFC ahead? Yeah. I would. I mean, they just have so much talent. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And Vela should be like healthy this year. So that's yeah, a huge factor. Sam. 
What do you think? I think second because Justin said second and everything he just said made a lot of sense to me. <laughs> How about you? Connor? Very good reasoning. Yeah. <laughs> um, I really wanted to put second. I just think third. Um, and it's not really for like a particular reason other than I feel like they just tend to have like a really rough stretch during the season at some point. And I feel like that'll, they'll still be in a good playoff position. Like, and I think that they'll perform well in the playoffs. They just always do. But I just think that they might slip a little bit in the standings at some point in the year. And I think LAFC is probably your, your runaway favorite for the West. But um, I mean, we, on any given day, we can beat anyone. I think where you're seeing most of the talent, honestly, is in the East. The East, I think, is going to be a lot more competitive in the West. Um, but we'll see what happens. I, I just have a funny feeling that there will be another team that sneaks up on us, whether it's a Portland or wasn't like weren't like the Rapids like kind of randomly good last year too yeah they don't have a great defense but their attack is okay minnesota's okay i mean they yeah, made the western Minnesota's conference good. finals sporting yep. kc was first in the west last year so right i think those four teams i i mean i could see the sounders finishing behind it's not crazy to say they finished third by any stretch yeah but it'll be interesting obviously we want to hopefully start it off on a winning note tomorrow against uh or i guess tonight as you guys are listening to this against minnesota united Again, that game is at 6.30 p.m. on FS1. Um, yeah, really looking forward to the beginning of the year. Justin, did you have anything else to say as far as Sounders garb stuff? I feel like you've probably covered most of it as far as like kind of previewing stuff, unless you had like any other tidbits of information that you wanted to share. Not really. I mean, the only MLS thing that I think is semi-worth t- uh, calling out is Matthew McConaughey's Austin FC is joining the league. Oh yeah. Oh. So we got them them green jerseys coming to coming to MLS at the Austin FC. Yes, yes. So yeah, welcome to Austin uh, welcome Austin FC to the MLS. Um I can't imagine do. them being good, but we'll see. Yeah. I mean, the Sounders were good in their first year, but they also We had some had, players though. Yeah. I have who I mean, do you know of any of the players on Austin FC? I don't. I'm Googling it currently. Uh Matt Beasler, I think. Oh, okay. Uh, he was on Sporting KC for a long time, wasn't he? He was. He's a lot older now. I mean, in his prime, yeah. he was he, he was, was pretty good. good. Uh let's see. Who do they have? They so does have... the MLS not do like an expansion draft thing? They do. Um, kind of, yeah. But you get like you have to protect players and stuff. Mm. Matt That's Beasler. Similar to the NHL um that's the only notable defender diego fagundes um he was on he was on new england for a long time he was rumored to possibly be a candidate to come here so Mm -hmm. yeah uh kakuta mane he was on vancouver and columbus Mm -hmm. for a little bit he's on austin that's it i mean they have a bunch of scrubs so they have a couple quality players but yeah they're good i mean they just don't have depth right and they probably they're coming into a you know pretty shitty situation. Just I feel like a lot of teams aren't really signing a lot of international players this off season just because they haven't really had a chance to scout them with COVID, um, or at least scout them properly. I've seen a few names pop off the board. Um, I I can't remember exactly who. I think like NYCFC just signed someone or something like that. Um, but mm-hmm. anyway, 
Um, so I'm, I know I'm that like, it's been it's been a slower transfer window per se as far as international signings go, just because of the lack of scouting. Yeah, and I mean, you've seen that in all over the world too, not just with MLS. So right. hopefully, I mean, I think this summer it'll start to ramp up globally. Yeah. Uh, just one last thing on Austin FC before we move on to the Mariners. They have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven owners, Matthew McConaughey being one of them. His, <laughs> uh, his uh, description says owner and MOC. Do you know what MOC stands for? Or can you gander a guess? Man in charge or man on. Oh, no, I was going to say man in charge, but it's MIC. Man on campus. Minister <laughs> of culture. Oh, really? Yeah. So Matthew McConaughey is owner is and minister his... of culture. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> it's probably rolling boogers in his Buick. <laughs> oh, man. That's funny. Okay. Nope. I don't have anything else on my list. No, that was, that was good though. I, I appreciated that. Um, yeah, let's move on to a little bit of Mariners talk. Just a couple notes to touch on, and then I want to hear Justin's predictions. Um, James Paxson officially out for the year. Um, I don't know if that was officially listed as Tommy John surgery, but I'm pretty sure that it is. Um, but we know that it's season ending surgery. So like Sam and I said in the last episode, big bummer that Big Maple is not going to be pitching anymore in 2021. But the good news on the injury front front is that Kyle Lewis is supposed to return and as soon as this weekend uh, for their series against the Astros, which a little note on that series too, the Astros are like a shell of their regular club right now because they're having some COVID issues like Altuve's out, Bregman's out. Um, there's a few other big names that are out as well. I can't remember off the top of my head, but um, they're not bringing their full squad up to Seattle this next weekend. So hopefully we're getting healthy at the right time. And Kyle Lewis, you know, is an addition to that lineup, big bat in that lineup, probably the biggest bat in that lineup and just makes that lineup a lot longer than it seems right now. Um, although some guys have been hitting the ball pretty well. So, but Kyle Lewis will be definitely a welcome addition. Um, back back into the lineup justin i want to hear your predictions though and obviously sam and i a couple episodes ago kind of listed out our our predictions for the season and statistical categories just kind of like we did with the sounders but with the mariners um so let's hear your predictions and we'll we'll start off with uh pitching statistics and who do you think is going to lead the team in era this year this is a tough one for me i think if he were to stay healthy, I would have picked Paxton just as mm-hmm. a wild card. Obviously, that you know that's thrown out the window. So I'm going to go with Sheffield. Uh, you know, I, I'm not super confident in that pick. I think it's more of a hopeful thing, but I'm hopeful he improves over the season and you know maybe can get into the lower threes. But that that's really hopeful. I like the pick. I mean, it's my picks. So oh, you're right. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah. Look at yours. <laughs> he sucked ass his first start, but he actually played pretty. He, he had a pretty good outing um, yesterday against against the Orioles. So it's a long season. Yeah, for sure. And he he honestly has good stuff. He, he's just always struggled with consistency. So hopefully, he's able to put it together for a full year. Um, strikeouts. Obviously, <laughs> Sam and I struck out on the strikeouts <laughs> pick. Um, 
that was really cheesy. I'm sorry. See what he did there, Justin? <laughs> yeah. Did you yeah, see that? I really apologize for that. Let's just, let's just move on to the next one. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, strikeouts. Who do you have leading the team in strikeouts? Obviously, we picked Paxton, and I think that probably would have been your pick if he was healthy. But Probably. Um, but who, who do you have now that Paxton's out? You know, it's... <sighs> I don't know. This could be a terrible pick, but I'm going to go Marco Gonzalez because I think he's going to see the most innings and that doesn't equate one for one, but I just think he's going to have the most opportunities. So it's probably the safe pick. It's a good pick. It's a good pick. You have good reasoning there. So I like it. I think you just kind of teased your next, the next statistical category <laughs> yeah, here with innings pitch. So Marco Gonzalez. Yeah, Marco Gonzalez is going to pit. I mean, he's the number one. I mean, he's seemingly yep. healthy or was last year. So I, I, I think, uh, yeah, I think he's just going to pitch the most. He, I will say he has really struggled his first two outings this year. Yes. And it could just be, you know, rust to start the year, but he didn't have a good spring training either. So he's got to fix something mechanically. I don't know what it is. I mean, a pitcher like Marco, he is like so... Um, he, he relies upon precision and accuracy and command, and he is not doing any of those things right now. He's struggling not with just command, but actually control, which are two different things. Control is just like being able to like throw a strike. <laughs> command is hitting your points, right? And he's not doing either. Sounds um, important as a pitcher, but you know. It is. <laughs> it definitely is. Um, and especially when you, you don't, he doesn't have elite stuff. Like he doesn't have a, an overwhelming fastball where he's pitching 96, 97 miles an hour. He's lower 90s um, and kind of just, you know, pretty average stuff. What makes him so great is his, his usual command, but he's got to get back to that. Switch over to the offensive side of the ball, though. Batting average. Who do you got? This was a tough one for me. I mean, obviously Kyle Seeger has started off the season really well, but yeah, yeah. you know, thinking big picture, I, I think I'm going to go Mitch Hanniger. I mean, he's leading off the lineup, uh, or he has been, but mm -hmm. I just think he's going to be the most consistent. Whereas I think mm -hmm. we've seen in previous seasons where Seeger goes on a terrible slump, but I think Mitch yeah. Hanniger now he's you know backed in the lineup and healthy. I think he's probably the best contact hitter on the team, so I'm going to go with him. Nice, yeah. And a little note on Kyle Seeger. He has been freaking raking lately. Yeah. And he leads the AL. This is a statistic. He leads the AL in hard hit balls. So he has, I don't know what the exit velocity has to be in order for it to be categorized as a hard hit ball, but he's hitting the ball hard. Let's just say that. And harder <laughs> and more consistently than anyone else in the league right now. So, you know. I'm all for the Kyle Seeger revenge tour and all about it. And as, as long as he's on a Mariners uniform, I'm good with him hitting the ball hard and all over the field. So. Exit velocity of 95 miles per hour or higher. Hit. Yep. So he's doing that very consistently. He had over 20, I think. Um, Damn. Hard hit balls this year. And that was like as of yesterday. So he might even have another one or two um home runs he got going with kyle lewis i think uh i mean I, i'm just basing it off the end of last year and that's the only yeah. way that i made this pick but i mean he was on absolute fire last season um so i was hopeful that that would carry through to this season so <laughs> hopefully we see that 
yeah, I think so long as he's healthy, he's a great candidate to lead mm-hmm. the team in home runs and probably the best candidate to lead the team in home runs. He's just, he's your most talented bat um, for sure. It's just, it's all about him staying healthy and his consistency as, as he's a young player. RBIs. I think we just talked about this guy, but go ahead. I'm going to go with Kyle Seeger. I mean, I mean, he's been doing really well. I mean, that this rate isn't going to continue throughout the season, no doubt, because there's always ups and downs, but you know, Mm -hmm. just where he hits in the lineup, I think the three, four, five hitters always tend up to be leading in the RBI. So, I mean, if Hanniger were there, I would have picked Hanniger, but he's leading off. So I think Seeger has opportunity to lead, but I mean, don't count out Kyle Lewis either if he's healthy. Right. Yeah. All good points. And as you can see with my pick, mine was Mitch Hanniger, but I was, not doing my research before the season i did not know that he was going to be your regular leadoff hitter so yeah i, I mean i have the benefit be i have the benefit of seeing 10 11 sure. games now that they've played but yeah i mean i sure. would have probably picked mitch Haniger too if i were you so yeah what do you think of sam's pick jared kelnick ah uh, that's a lot i mean when's he gonna come up probably in a week or two right that's what the former owner said right so um yeah, as that's ballsy, but I mean, Sam, bold. it could you're happen. A bold, you're a bold guy, so I am. He's got, he's I like got it. a he's got a bottle of whiskey on the line here, so I do. Oh, what's the bet? I missed the bet. So it's just between you two. Between we're running Hanager it back and... as as the same bet that we did with the UW quarterback situation. So if Sam wins, he gets a bottle of whiskey. If I win, I get a six pack. But okay. I have the better I have the better odds, obviously. Okay. In, Jared Ke- and my odds are Jared Kellenick not leading the team in RBIs, where Sam's pick is that he does lead the team in RBIs. So I have the field, whereas Sam has Kellenick. Yeah. So Sam was feeling he gets, generous. He gets a very nice bottle of whiskey if it happens. <laughs> and I'll be happy to do it. Can't wait. Cool. We'll enjoy it together. Absolutely. All right. Let's round this out with steals, and then we'll get your pick for their overall record this year. I'm going to go with our shortstop Crawford. I mean, he's speedy. I mean, I just think he's really athletics and, you know, he's at the bottom of the lineup, but I think he'll be, he'll be on base a decent amount. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm just looking, I'm like, we're not super speedy team, but I feel like he's one of the few that has a lot of speed. So going with him. Yeah. We're a little bit of like a sneaky speedy team and we're also really aggressive. Yeah. Um, both of Sam and I were talking about this on the last episode. Our, our, all our dark horse pick is Dylan Moore and he was the team leader in still stolen bases last year. And he doesn't really look fast, but he is pretty quick. And he's got really good. He's got a really good jump and he's really aggressive. Um, Mariners in, in general are pretty aggressive on the, on the base pass with this coaching staff. Um, and they'll put the game in motion. They like their youth and kind of athletic ability, but um Dylan Moore is a sneaky pick there, I think too. But Crawford, Sam, Sam said the same thing. I think, I think, I think that's a good pick. All right, what do you think the overall record is going to be for the Mariners? Do you think they're going to be above five hundred, below five hundred? Think they're going to win the West? Oh man, I wish. Suck. I mean, haven't haven't seen them in the playoffs since I moved here. So yeah. Um. So now we know what the curse is. You need to move away. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well okay, i moved here in 2001 so i saw like that was the year i saw him in the playoffs and okay whatever you did that year do the exact same thing again got it move to bellevue um 
they're going to be below 500 as it pains me to say i just think it's it's been the classic mariners saying of next year is our year type of thing but i think with this team next year could be the year but this year i think they're just slightly below 500 so i'm going to go 76 and 86 but you know, obviously margin of error plus and minus a few games. I think a good season for this this team is if they're right around 500, like above 500, like an 81 to 83 wins would be a good season. Fair enough. Yeah, I think we're really going to find out pretty quickly, especially if Kyle Lewis is back this weekend, kind of where this team is really at. They're, I mean, they're 6-5 and five right now. Um, had another game rained out in Baltimore today. I think they're supposed to play a doubleheader tomorrow. Baltimore's not really that good of a team, so I don't know if that's a good measuring stick. Their best measuring stick so far has been the White Sox, and they looked like like the White Sox looked by far the superior team in that series, but they also, I mean, Mariners weren't completely healthy that series either. Once Kyle Lewis is back, I would just like to see how this team lines up against a really good team. And they're supposed to obviously have the Astros coming in this weekend, albeit they're not going to be at, at full strength. And then right after that, you got the defending world champion, L.A. Dodgers, in town for a couple games, um, just a mini two-game series. So that'll be a huge measuring stick for this this team um, to see where they're at early in this year in, in the season. And I would <laughs> I would be surprised if they won either of those games. But um, if they're competitive in it, you know, it, the one thing that this team has been is they've been gritty and they haven't really given up in in games. So they've they've typically made it exciting to the end so hopefully that continues and uh, obviously looking forward to Kyle Lewis putting on that Mariners uniform and jogging out to center field hopefully as soon as Friday night but let's move on to some some Seahawks talk and we'll get this done so that so that uh, Justin can go because I know that he's not feeling like the best right now so we'll we'll try to breeze through this segment and then um, when, when this segment's over, we'll, Sam and I will cover some Husky, Husky talk, but we'll let, we'll let Justin go at that point. So just a couple things to cover, I think with the Seahawks. Um, and the first one being, there was some news to break today that Alden Smith was visiting the team. And I want to know kind of both of your guys' general thoughts on the possibility of Alden Smith in a Seahawks uniform. I know that they had some interest in him last year. Um, it was reported kind of after they got Carlos Dunlap that they were, they were kicking the tires on trying to trade for Alden Smith during, during last season ended up with Carlos Dunlap, which I think has been obviously phenomenal, but they are still interested in, in Mr. Smith. And um, I mean, used to be one of the most dominant defenders in the league for a couple of years with the 49ers and then obviously kind of struggled with some substance abuse and um, was suspended for a few years there has come back with the Cowboys and he's played okay, but he's definitely on the older side. Now I think he's 32. So I'll go back to what, what are you guys, what are your guys' general thoughts on Alden Smith possibly being a Seahawk? I like it. I think he can be a really disruptive player. And I think the theme of some of the other, offseason moves that we've talked about or or wanted to see the Seahawks make is these one-year prove-it deals and you know kick the tires and see what's left in the tank 
And, you know, last year, Alden Smith was a very effective pass rusher. I think he, I don't, maybe I won't get the stats right, but I'm pretty sure I read he had like, he had like five, five and, five and a half sacks on yeah. 50 pass rushes. That's a damn good ratio. So I think it was, I think it was, I, th- I thought what I saw was fi- five, it was five or five and a half sacks, like you said. And then it was like 50 quarterback pressures. Well, okay. That probably makes more sense. <laughs> but still still pretty good though especially for like a rotational pass. yeah the point is the same like i think even with you know the turmoil that he's gone through in his career mm-hmm. he's coming off a very effective year as a pass rusher and i think if you have the opportunity to add someone like that on a team friendly deal i'm all for it what do you think justin yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I mean, he didn't make much last year as base salary. What was it? it was less than a million, right? Pretty sure. I'll look Probably. it up. Yeah, it had uh, yeah, to have I been mean, like league minimum. Yeah, he didn't make much. And so, yeah, it's pretty low risk if you give him something similar, even if it's just slightly higher with, uh, you know, a decently high ceiling. So I'm down for bringing him into camp. Obviously, he has a short leash with given his, you know, past troubles and everything. But you know, I think it it isn't it isn't that much to ask of the Seahawks and their cap space and what what we'd have to do to get him. So I'm all for it personally. He was one year two million for the Cowboys last year. Okay. I mean, given what premium edge rushers make, that's not much at all. No, 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 no. And I think I mean if the Cowboys didn't re-sign him, he's and at this point in free agency, he's probably selling like signing closer to a vet minimum deal is my guess yeah at this point um yeah i mean i i tend to echo a lot of your guys' sentiments when as it comes to just bringing in a flyer guy that has some upside i will say is this really a position of need though like at this point like i feel like we definitely have a pretty good pass rushing rotations stable but I mean, obviously, none of these guys' jobs are safe. Like, I mean, even if they sign Alden Smith, he's not guaranteed to make the roster. Same with their signing of Benson Mayoa. They obviously have some young guns and, you know, Alton Robinson and Rasheen Green. And um, who am I thinking of? can't remember off the top of my head. There's a few guys, though, that, that, that are kind of, you know, fringe guys that we don't know who's going to make the roster. Um, the, the, the thing that I've heard floated around too, is if they bring him in, he might end up in the Bruce Irvin role at Sam linebacker, which is what KJ ended up playing last year. But, um, obviously they would prefer someone more with like the Bruce Irvin kind of pass rushing ability than at that Sam Liker linebacker position. So I'd be interested uh, if, if they're doing that with him, I'm a little bit more intrigued, I think, because you got obviously Bobby Wagner and um, uh, Brooks, Jordan Brooks as your, as your base nickel linebackers, which are your middle linebackers and your will linebacker, but at Sam linebacker, either on passing downs, being a rusher or possibly dropping back into coverage. I don't know how Alden Smith is in coverage, but I, that's an intriguing option, I think. I will pose this question to you guys, though. Would you rather have KJ Wright back, or would you rather have Alden Smith? K- 
KJ Wright, hands down. I think KJ, you know, again, kind of you would think moving towards the twilight years of his career, definitely getting older and slower, but he had one of his better years last year. He was extremely reliable and effective for us on the field. I think he's also, you know, I know Bobby typically wears the captain's emblem on his jersey, but KJ's a big part of the heart and soul of this team and franchise. Mm -hmm. He's been here since, you know, he's an OG Seahawk in the Pete Carroll and John Schneider era. So I, if I had to choose between those two, I would take KJ Wright all day. Yeah, longest tenured Seahawk because he was 2011. Yep. So, yeah, go ahead, I, I agree. I agree with that. I mean, the how long this has gone in free agency tends, you know, makes me think that we can get him on some sort of quote unquote team friendly deal, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I feel bad for KJ because coming off possibly his best year, but he just plays a position that's not a position that a lot of teams want to spend a bunch of money on typically, especially on an aging linebacker. Um, and he definitely still has a lot left in the tank, I think. But um, I think this offseason just has not shaped up how we wanted it to. And he kind of obviously kind of went on his media tour and was trying to, you know, kind of put his foot down that he wasn't going to take no discount, no hometown discount type thing, but he might be forced to, um, <laughs> that might be the best deal that's on the table and that deal's getting lower by the day, I think. So we'll see what happens. There were, there was, I know he was kicking the tires with the Cowboys a little bit or the Cowboys rather were kicking the tire, tires with him a little bit, but, um, it sounds like those, those talks have stalled at this point. So I don't know what his options are at this point. Um, especially it, he could go to like some other teams that aren't competing and probably get a better contract. Like, it, like maybe like the jets or something like that. Like he could sign there, but he's on a, probably a shitty rebuilding team at that point. And I don't know if that's what he wants at this, this point of the career of his career. And I know that he really enjoys playing with Bobby too. So I, I would love to see KJ back. I, I think he played so well last year and um, he's, he's a known commodity too. I, I think Alden Smith, there's, I wouldn't say like a bunch of risk just because it'd be such a minimal contract, but it, it's, it isn't relatively unknown commodity and you just don't know how he's going to fit into the rotation, whether he's going to be that Sam linebacker or if you're actually wanting him to be kind of a hand on the ground pass rusher for you and where he fits in that rotation, obviously a ton of upside the, I think the Alden Smith signing might have more upside than KJ, but I don't think that's what this defense needs at this point. I think bringing back someone like KJ that can solidify that Sam linebacker role and obviously still kind of be a, one of the more veteran leaders on, on that defensive side of the ball is where I think the team should go. That's, that's just my, my two cents though. Yeah, I kind of get the sense, you know, obviously, as we've alluded to, the longer that he remains unsigned, I think the higher likelihood he ends up in a Seahawks uniform again in 2021. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. And um, I, I tend to echo that that thought. So we have the NFL draft, obviously, coming around the corner. And there are, I have a couple thoughts before we get to that. And I guess 
as far as like approaching that though, on that note, um, there are a couple things that they can do with contracts to free up some more cap room. If they wanted to, they could extend Jamal Adams. I still don't think they've done any kind of restructuring with Russell or Bobby's contract. So there are still a couple of mechanisms that they can use to clear up some cap room. Do you want them to still address anything in free agency? Um, besides maybe like what we were saying with possibly signing either a KJ Ryder and Alden Smith, do you want like a wide receiver three? Do you want another corner? Do you know who I want in the draft more than anybody? And it oh is, is going to be totally an outside shot because we just re-signed Chris Carson. I want Jamar Munchie oh Jefferson, baby, from Oregon State. Yeah. I think I think it's just so hard to know what to expect going into this draft with what do we have? Three draft picks right we have now. Three picks. I think I think so, if we have a if we had a regular draft, I think there'd be a higher percentage that you could probably bet on us possibly drafting a running back. I just don't think it's gonna be in the cards with only three job picks, but they're probably, I mean, they are probably going to end up with, you know, five or six. See, that's They'll the thing that, is it's so. just going to be interesting to see how we maneuver around on, mm. you know, actual draft days and see what picks we end up with and who's available. Right. So, you know, I would love to see us. I think it's a, a decent running back class, it's a deep running back class. I think you can find somebody like Jamar in later rounds. It, again, picks permitting and i just think timing wise it would make sense because what we signed carson to a two-year deal right it's it's effectively a two-year deal it's technically three years i think is it extension 30 years fully voidable oh yeah right right so i don't know that's just an exciting pick for me because i think jamar is going to be really good in the nfl i think he's like a sleeper pick that people are gonna let him slide down the draft board i think I, you know, looking at the way the roster is built and if I'm being more realistic on addressing team needs for this upcoming season, I think you, you know, hit the nail on the head there with either a cornerback or wide receiver three or the ones I'm circling for sure. Center, I guess is the other need probably, but yeah. Yeah, those, yeah. Are, those are those are the standout three, I think, on the team right now. There's not a lot of holes on this roster. Honestly, it's a really solid roster up and down. Yeah. Um, but there are a few, I wouldn't say glaring needs, but some, some things that they could improve. I would say, wide receiver three, I think, is honestly kind of the the like the biggest kind of pitfall that they're in right now, as far as just like talent level. Like, yeah. There's a huge drop off from DK and Tyler down to Freddie Swain like that yeah. is a massive drop off so they need to you know bridge that somehow I don't know what if if I don't know if that's I don't know who's left in free agency that they could even target at this point um I think that's probably going to be a draft pick is my guess but um who knows maybe Josh Gordon's eligible next year I don't know <laughs> <Doubt man. it>. like <laughs> you definitely can't count on that that can't be your plan but um, that might be that might be the best case scenario. So, I think uh, Larry Fitzgerald's still out there. Is he? Ooh. Pretty old. Uh, I mean, he's better than Freddie Swain. He's pretty damn good still, though. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, just quickly, I think receive wide receiver three, obviously I think corners pretty big need for the Seahawks though. I mean, we have four cornerbacks right now. Um, and, well, they just, signed, tri- they just signed Demarius Randall back and he was a safety mm-hmm. last year for them, but he they're listing him as a cornerback now. Right. So we have him that we just signed. We have Witherspoon, who we signed from the 49ers. We have Trey Flowers, who's had starting experience. And then obviously DJ Reed, who was pretty, who did pretty well last year. Um, and Jordan Miller. Yeah. Go dogs, baby. I think that's a sleeper. I think he could. I think he fits our defensive scheme really well. He needs to play. It needs to play in the preseason and show it. And he yeah. needs to probably bulk up a little bit. There, there, the thing that's is, some, is, that's someone that would benefit from a preseason. That's the thing sure. is, is I think I mean whether it's in the draft or you know free agent. I mean none of those players are under contract beyond this season, and so it would yep. be really nice to get a corner help. And then obviously you laid out the wide receiver three case pretty well. So I think those are pretty big. I mean center would be nice, but I'd say the other two are more dire yeah yeah and obviously i think all of us probably need to do a little bit more research on kind of who were like the day two three guys um at those positions that they could try to target but i think probably next episode next week i'd like to do a little fun mock draft of the three picks that we currently have obviously it's not going to be three picks i think we all know that it's probably going to be closer to like five picks and they'll trade down but just for the fun exercise of it, let's kind of mock out three the three picks for the Seahawks and do a little bit of background research and who we think might be available for for each of those those selections. Um, so I obviously that's coming up in a couple of weeks um, is is the NFL draft, but I think next week we'll try to do that that mock draft special. Any other Seahawks news that you guys can think of before we let Justin go? I think they just re-signed their team president through 2027. I did see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did see that. Um, Chuck Arnold? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So. Which is good. Yeah, it is a good thing. They've obviously had a pretty good thing going. So um, cool to see the the gang staying together. Um, yeah, I can't think of anything else really. Russell Wilson news has quieted down quite a bit. Yeah. Oh, there is this one other thing. One other interesting news that came out this week, though, is that apparently um, both Pete Carroll and John Schneider, or sorry, no, Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson were banging the table to try to get Giovanni Bernard. Interesting. Really? Before he signed for the Bucks, And it was apparently us and the Niners that were in on him, Hmm. too. So I, I don't get like, that. What What's your biggest takeaway from that? Like, as, like, I think, I mean, I think they would bring him in to be a third down back essentially. Like he's, yeah. a, he's a good receiver out of the backfield and he's a good pass protector. So it's so, Chris Carson. <laughs> he's not going to play the snaps. I three. think they don't. Yeah. Yeah. I think they want to split up the snaps a little bit. And I don't think Rashad Penny is a true third down back per se. Um, is that more of a slight though on like Rashad Penny and his health as your backup? Or do you think that's more of a slight on, they just don't trust like Travis Homer and DJ Dallas in like that third down back role. I honestly, 
don't know what to make of that. It's a weird thing to be. <laughs> I know it was, it was super random. I thought, but the more I thought about it, I don't know. What do you What do you think, Justin? I think probably both. Um, yeah. Rashad Penny's not super reliable in the health department as of yet. Hopefully, he stays healthy. And yeah. then you know, DJ Dallas and Travis Homer haven't shown they're going to be explosive players, and just right. the opportunities they've had. So. Probably both, but that is interesting. I mean, the Seahawks have a lot of running backs. That's why I would hate. Yeah. If we hate, absolutely hate if we drafted one or signed. Well, I think that's, yeah, I think that's why it was so weird too, is that they would use more assets on running backs when they already have four, five, five, five on the roster. Yeah. Alex Collins, they signed too. So they have five on the roster right now and they're, in talks with an aging run like giovanni bernard's pretty old at this point yeah yeah um that's bizarre so i don't know it it was a little interesting but it 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 does make me think that they possibly don't like what they have with i which i would much rather have a better option as a third down running back than either travis homer or dj dallas if those are your options um if Rashad Penny can stay healthy, I think he's he can be a good running back. But I think we all agree on this podcast that there is no way in hell he's ever going to live up to that number one overall selection no. as far as well round one I should selection. Um, yeah, so, the Seahawks yeah. Uh, round one uh, selections haven't been the best. Or I, <laughs> I should don't, say and they, first and they don't have one this year, the, so we're fine. I <laughs> mean, the first selections of the draft, I should say. I mean, Jervin yeah. Fetty. Malik uh, McDowell. Malik McDowell. I think Jordan Brooks could be a pretty good player. That that one we're holding, Judge. I mean, he's had a promising start, but we'll see how that turns out. Yep. Uh, Rashad Penny, uh, first round running back. Uh, LJ Collier, uh, who was better last season than his first where he hardly played, and then yep. Jordan Brooks. So Jordan Brooks yep. seems to be the most promising, but we'll see. Yeah. We'll see what happens. It'll be interesting. And yeah, I mean, we'll see if they make any moves before the draft, but... Um, it's kind of where we sit today and like i said we'll have we'll have a mock draft episode for you guys at some point next week we'll have to collaborate here i don't know what what day that's going to be yet but we'll we'll talk about it and and we'll decide then so thank you for joining justin appreciate you coming on uh real quick if you wanted to give your other podcast a shout out i know you guys just came out with an episode today i have not listened to it yet but i will so yeah, so if you like Premier League, it's uh, it's really winding down the season. There's about yeah. seven to seven to six games left, depending on the team, and it's a crazy top four race. I mean, that's a lot of money getting in the Champions League. So if you want to hear all about that, listen to at Over the Top EPL, um, and we're all on the same platforms as this podcast. Excellent, awesome, Justin. Thanks again for joining, and we'll be in touch. Connor, Sam, have a good night. See you guys. Happy, happy belated, belated birthday. Jinx. Happy happy early birthday, Sam. Have well, fun thanks. at uh, your special dinner tomorrow. Dong Ting Chun. Bye, guys. See ya. See ya. <laughs> All right. Meat and bones of the episode, I, I think, coming up here. Well, other, yeah. than the, the, other than the sounder stuff. I know the sounder stuff was kind of a... That was kind of the main, to- the main draw to this first part of the episode, but Definitely want to talk some dogs. And Sam, you were again at practice today on day five. Full can't, pads today. I know. I can't get enough. So, yeah, I know. You're, I guess, are we, am I getting you in trouble with your work by saying that you were at practice today? You were, no. you were, 
kind of working while you were watching practice? Not yeah, really. I've, I'm taking care of business. You brought your laptop. Yeah, no worries. Mo- mostly on mostly on the dogman boards, but you, <laughs> you were you were online. Yeah, I saw the full dogman crew out there today. Um, nice. I don't think I'm going to be able to make the open practice on Friday, but I'll be there on Saturday, and I'm looking forward to it. Which, think, yeah, they're supposed to scrimmage. Like Jimmy yeah. Lake actually said that they're going to legit scrimmage, I think, on Saturday. I know you said off mic that the Saturday practices tend to be when they're doing a little bit more scrimmage work and a little bit more um, kind of like showmanship, I guess, for the fans, where yeah. during the week they're doing a lot more install, like you were saying, and um, personnel stuff and like team, like position group kind of drills and work and stuff like that. Um, less less scrimmaging but it sounds like saturday there's going to be some legit like actual time where they're they're going to be scrimmaging so that's and full pads so yeah tackling and everything that's that's exciting yeah they even did a little bit of that today i anticipate like you said more of that to be seen on saturday's practice but there was a a couple of drives during the scrimmage where they were you know going in and out of cut tempo, which is just wrap up. And then they went live on a couple of wrap or a couple of reps doing full tackles, everything. And it's fun to watch. I think, I think we have a, a pretty good team before. Us. <laughs> oh I yeah, I really do. Yeah, I do. You think we have a pretty good team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, I think we've let our listeners know that we, I think we both think we have a pretty good team this year. So yeah. Uh, what were your main observations from from practice today, though? Like, who who stood out to you? Um, were there any position groups that stood out to you? Were there any like, are you watching coaches and stuff while you're out there too? Like, yeah. who like who like who kind of gets you energized too? Like from the coaching staff. From the coaching staff, I mean, today the one that stood out to me was John Donovan, which was yeah. you know, as I alluded to in the last practice that. I witnessed our starting defensive line gives everybody fits. And I think, you know, especially (laughs) in, in passing situations and there was one drive, Sam Heward was leading the team and, you know, the first two plays he got sacked. I think Ryan Bowman got back to back sacks and Donovan runs into the huddle the next play. And he's like, we gotta be able to protect. We gotta have it. I gotta have it. We can't do shit without pass protection. We gotta have it. And he like runs out of the huddle and it was like wow. the cleanest pocket I've ever seen blocked the next play. And I think yeah. Heward had a deep, deep pass there. So that was kind of good to see from Donovan. I think, you know, obviously still relatively new face on the block, but um, kind of quiet spoken, not huge in front of the media or anything. So it was nice to see him kind of get fired up and practice. A little, more, little juice there maybe. Yeah. I also noticed, um Jalen Johnson is taking mm-hmm. on a pretty big role at practice as a graduate assistant. He's a former defensive lineman, defensive yep. end under Chris Peterson era. Um, so good to see him back. A lot Have of former Jermaine dogs. Yeah, I was gonna there? say I saw Jermaine there, out there today. He um during a seven-on-seven drill took Terrell Bynum off to the side of the sidelines and was kind of giving him some pro tips or whatnot. Yeah. Um so it's good to see him out there. Justin Glenn's another former player. He's more of a, you know, office guy. He, I think he's director of recruiting right now. Yep. So he was out there. Um, so those, those are the ones that really stood out. I mean, 
coach Saha, the strength and conditioning coach, you know, he's the one with the megaphone yelling out, you know, whether the play is going to be live tackling or cut tempo. So big dude, hard to miss him. He's got a lot of energy, a big booming voice. I'm not sure he needs the megaphone. Um, and then Jimmy Lake, obviously he's, he's kind of all over the place and seemed to really start to get more comfortable in his role as a head coach floating around to the different position drills and, and really, you know, being the maestro in terms of getting players and position groups moving to different stations during the practice and feels really similar to how Chris Peterson ran the ship. Like there's not a lot of wasted time not a lot of walking around They're you know, making the most efficient use of the time that they have out there, which is good to see. Um, Will Harris is another coach that stood out. He was talking smack to the refs for not calling an offensive PI. There was a deep ball. I think Morris threw down the far sideline to Jalen Polk or Mr. Polk. Haven't figured that one out yet. Um, (laughs) Oh yeah. That's right. We were supposed to. (laughs) (laughs) Um, right that and kyler gordon was right there step for step totally had position and i was already screaming like that's a pick for sure and polk gave him a nice little shimmy to the back and pushed him to the ground didn't come up with neither of them came up with the ball but obvious offensive pi Mm. and the refs just kind of turned turned a cheek to it and didn't throw a flag and will harris was pissed it's like practice and i thought to myself like maybe he's practicing you know yelling at the refs because he was going at it he was mad he wants guys i think that i think it's partially that i think it's also these guys are just fucking hungry to play someone you know like they only played four games last year and they're back in front of their fans even in a limited capacity like they i mean they they want to play football like <laughs> yeah they want to go up against someone else like and obviously these guys are competing against each other right now and um getting good work in and everything but i mean they they have that date circled on the calendar albeit against montana but really the game against michigan i think they really yeah on the calendar um in that in that away opener in ann arbor so excited to get to that point again <laughs> yeah for sure we'll there. i thought it was a really good practice and there were you know players that flashed at almost every position so i can i could probably just run down the list and yep. shout them out um i think the quarterbacks had one of their best days dylan mm-hmm. morris had a really good day you know nothing prolific in the sense of you know explosive plays but he seemed very in control he had a nice play where he avoided a pass rush, stepped up in the pocket and made it, you know, the Dylan Morris play that we've seen him make over and over again, stepping up and then sliding out of the pocket and finding an open receiver. So it's good to see him have a good day, mm-hmm. you know, relatively accurate, but still, you know, from a nitpicking perspective, his ball placement is still not very good. Like even on a simple check down pass to Caleb Berry in the flat, you know, was thrown behind him. So Caleb Berry kind of had to do a little pirouette spin around to catch it and just little things like that add up in a game. Cause it kills his momentum right. to do anything with the ball when he catches it. So would like to see improvement there. And then obviously his deep ball still needs some work. And then Sam Heward, I noticed was running a lot with the twos today and 
which he's been with the threes, which he's been with the threes mostly. And so he had quite a few reps with the twos today. And, you know, he definitely seems to still be adjusting to the speed of the game. He -hmm. threw an interception to Cam Williams, which Cam Williams, I think just made a really heady, smart, you know, high football IQ and, and spatial awareness play. I think Sam Heward thought Cam Williams was going to run to cover the flat zone. And I'm pretty sure that's what his, you know, coverage duty was, but he Mm -hmm. kind of felt the play and stopped, broke off of his, his path and flowed back towards the middle of the field and totally just snatched the ball. And it was a really nice play. It was kind of like that Elijah Molden interception um, against USC on mm-hmm. the goal line, really similar mm-hmm. play. Um, but other than that, I mean, there was one other play where I think there was an easy completion and Sam Heward kind of took a little pace off the ball just to like ensure the completion and something that I'm sure he's used to doing in high school quite a bit. And, you know, Kyler Gordon came out of nowhere with a diving pass breakup. That was a beautiful thing to watch. And I think Sam Heward's probably thinking to himself like, ah, damn, like next time I'll put a little more zip on that pass and it's a completion. So I think little things like that tell me that he just hasn't totally adjusted his, his, you know, pace of play to the kinds of athletes that he's going up against. I mean, obviously our defense, I think is, you know, tops in the conference. And so it's, it's a good look for him. And, I'm just happy that he's here now in spring trying to take care of some of that stuff as opposed to in the fall. So I think he'll get there, but he were definitely had the plays of the day. He had three beautiful rainbow deep balls down the sideline, all three to Romo Dunze. The first one was caught in between the corner and the safety and, you know, went out of bounds at like the two yard line, but just amazing throw really nice grab by Rome too. Pretty tight coverage, but the pass just came right down the chimney into Rome's lap. The second one was really similar, except Rome was wide open by himself for a walk-in touchdown, and he dropped the ball. Not good. (laughs) Wide receivers have been having a case of the dropsies lately. Yeah. And then the third one, they connected on a really beautiful pass that I think is out on Twitter, on UW Husky Football's Twitter account. You could go see the video, but it's a really nice ball. I think, um, was it Tra- Travis Ford? What's it from Ford Sports Performance? What's his name? Oh, not the main dude, but like his like brother. Or no, no, the main the team. Du- no, the main dude from FSD. The main dude's Tracy Ford. Tracy Ford, yeah. Yeah. Um, he tweeted the same pass from a, a better angle. So you can check that one out as well. But quarterbacks, I thought had a really good day. Camden Sermon, a walk-on is actually kind of grabbed my attention a little bit. Really at, at quarterback. Yeah. Scrappy, yeah. uh, really athletic looking smaller quarterback, but he's made some plays and he's a someone preferred you... walk-on from like I don't know he's, where he's, he's, he's another sermon. I thought he was like from like Minnesota or something. Like yeah. That. I know he he's cousins to both formerly Jacob sermon and then uh, Jackson Jackson. I don't think yeah. he's a brother to either one of them, but gotcha. just a little bit of a shout out. Cause I think he's playing well with, you know, low expectations. Um, yeah. The running backs, 
most of the first and, and second team carries go into Kamari Pleasant, Sean McGrew, Cam Davis. Richard Newton was back out there today, and it seems like we got a little bit more clarity on why he's been in and out of practice. He has apparently had false positive COVID tests. So he's kind of been in and out of practice. And I guess that's why. So I think a lot of people were wondering if it was disciplinary and like, obviously with the way the season went last year with him sitting out the last two games, people were kind of like, okay, well, what's going on? So (laughs) happy to hear that. It's just like, you know, testing issues there. Right. Technicality type things. Yeah. But the guy at running back still, I'm telling you, Javion is the real deal. And he had the best run of the day. He took a carry over to the right side of the field, cut it back towards the middle, and just had an amazing hurdle over, you know, a scrum of two or three people kind of falling down to the ground. And he just leapt over them, picked up another like five to 10 yards before he got touched. Just he looks the part standing in the backfield and he looks the part with the ball in his hands. I think I just, from what I've seen, that's my running back day one. The problem is I, the other, you know, position drill that I watched, which is super important for the Husky coaches. And something we failed to mention last episode. So is pass protection, pass protection. And so they Mm -hmm. set up a drill where, the running backs were trying to block one-on-one versus the linebackers and our running backs suck at pass protection <laughs> in a major way. Kamari pleasant is serviceable. Like he's, he's decent. He can hold his own. And McGrew, there's probably a reason why he was top yes. of the depth chart last year. Right. Yeah. So. Uh, and I'll go down the list. If I had to rank them from best to worst, and it's going to look exactly like the depth chart last year. Kamari Pleasant was probably the best. Sean McGrew was probably the second best. Even though he's little, he has good positioning. He gets pushed around all over the place, but at least he's sticking his nose in the right place and he's getting in the way. Um, And then I would say outside of that, there's it's hard to differentiate because they just got smoked. Cam Davis looked like he didn't know where, what, was going on Mm -hmm. javion has the muscle but he's a little over aggressive right now like he wants to go pop the linebacker in the face (laughs) and he just needs to like set his feet and dial it down yeah and um richard newton is not good at it at all and so i think if you're wondering why he didn't play in the two last games i think he's not good in pass protection and my guess is he probably at some point gave up putting effort into it in practice and the coaches were like, fine, you're not going to play. That's my speculation. Yeah. And then Caleb Berry got totally twisted around, but it was nice to see him out there in practice and true freshman in his first spring. So, yeah. So I'll cut him some slack and I'll cut JV on some slack as well. Like, you know, he wasn't really out there last year because he was nursing an injury and and surgically repaired shoulder, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and he didn't get spring last year either. So, no. So I think those guys can still pick it up. I think it's, it's a little bit disappointing to see Richard Newton and Cam Davis, just not in the same. If Cam Davis is 
a good pass protector, then he's your day yes. one running back last year. Yeah. So I think unless that changes, you're probably looking at a really similar running back rotation that we saw last year, yeah. which is kind of unfortunate because your most talented runners of the football are also your worst pass blockers. Like right. to me, Javion is clear cut. Number one, running the ball from what I've seen in spring cam Davis, number two, Kamari Pleasant broke off a couple nice runs and McGrew does some nice things, but yeah, they're, they're average to me. Um, The one other thing in that drill that stood out is Eddie Ulofosio is unstoppable in pass rush situations. It is not fair. I mean, he is on one play who must've been, I think it was Richard Newton. They went one-on-one him and Eddie, and Richard Newton like punched him in the helmet. Eddie's helmet went flying off, and he just he didn't give a shit. He just kept coming, dude. He was like helmet or not, like you're getting out of my way, and he like tossed him off to the side and sacked the fake quarterback. So definitely need some room for improvement there. Um, the linemen, nobody really stood out to me. I watched a couple of one-on-one drills, offensive line versus defensive line. Miles mm. Morale looked really good and held his own in a lot of one-on-one settings, which I know he's that's kind of his specialty. He made a name for himself in high school going around to camps and yeah. just basically stuffing some of the best defensive linemen. So no surprise there. On that note, though, wasn't um he's yeah. been your number two right tackle, but Roger Rosengarten was taking the reps, I think, at right tackle. Um, yeah. Th- today. So, yeah. That's a really good call. Number out. two. Yeah. So it seemed like you're the starter, Victor Kern, seemed like he was out with some sort of nagging injury, something minor. He was <clears throat> fully suited up riding the bike. But Ro- it was actually interesting because Rosengarten hasn't been at right, tack- at right tackle at all. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry. Um, the second string right tackle has mostly been Mateo Mele, mm-hmm. but Rosengarten stepped in, and I think he was overmatched quite a bit. Yeah. So we'll see. Hopefully, Victor Kern's okay. Yeah, I think he is. It sounded like if he's fully suited up and he was riding a bike on the sidelines, I think he was probably just taking it easy today maybe just a couple bruises from the first few days of practice is my guess. So yeah, I'd say maybe, so. a, maybe a sore muscle or something at the tight end group. Uh, Kate Otten showed up with a huge catch. Oh, he was, pretty good? Yeah. It was an amazing catch. I mean, Eddie Ulafosio was covering him. Great defensive coverage by Eddie. Like there was mm-hmm. nothing else he could have done, but Kate is too tall, too big, and too strong, and just kind of like skied up for the ball, got higher than Eddie, and he's just once he gets his hands on that ball, he's got his hands are so good. I was thinking, I was talking to my dad about it. He came to practice with me again, and I don't remember the last time Kate Otten dropped the pass. Like, I can't even remember one, dude. I mean, he's maybe as maybe sure his freshman year comes, yeah. So good to see him. Mark Redman with the threes and fours made some nice plays as well. Um, 
out at wide receiver again it was wasn't a great day to be honest like a lot of drops i heard jalen polk had a pretty good day though mr polk he was running with the threes and fours and he was catching everything he granted he was going against our third and fourth stringers on defense but but he was like the most sure hands on the day in the wide receiver yes i was hearing yeah he had a he had a really nice day out there romo dunze had a really good day all in all but that wide open touchdown drop is something that's tough to look past jalen mcmillan seems to be fighting the ball and having a tough time corralling it and then i just i really haven't seen much of terrell bynum in camp at all like I don't know if he's not getting open or if he's not getting the rep count or what it is, but I just haven't hardly noticed him in practice at all. So not sure what to read into that, but yeah, Polk and Odunze were definitely, you know, carrying the torch for the wide receivers today. So I think offensively it was probably one of the better practices. Like they actually were making some things happen. Um, defensively the quick standout was Bowman he was in the backfield all day he had back-to-back sacks and causing all sorts of problems the other one that stood out to me was well one of the things that did stand out to me Connor was actually I was thinking of you that duo oh that's what you were thinking of me yeah that duo safety of julius Irvin and dom hampton looks really looking nice nice. looking nice they started out as the ones back there and i i think you might be right on that one that could be everyone that i read about that has any kind of like background or insight on this stuff like if julius Irvin is healthy he gonna be a problem like that dude can ball he just hasn't been healthy like he has not been healthy since he's stepped foot on campus yeah and last year is i mean he might have been like kind of healthy but like was also coming off of either a surgery or like a yeah. decent injury and i don't think he's obviously limited season. yeah limited rep count too like in the off season like i was gonna say so i'm telling you man i i think that's where your upside is is those two guys um obviously you have some more game experience and some of the other safety like i mean cam williams like he's shown flashes but like also very undisciplined i feel like in some areas Mm -hmm. asa just doesn't really pop to me um i don't know man yeah dom i i was sitting there taking in practice and i think now, I, I, at this point, I feel pretty confident of four out of the five spots in the backfield. I think Kyler and McDuffie. No, I think it's Kyler and McDuffie outside. I really do think it's Dom Hampton and Irvin from what I've seen at safeties. I think the nickelback position is still up for grabs with Buki and Cam Fab. So the ones, the both practices that I've been to, Cam Fab has started with the ones at nickel with those other four, but Buki's been in there a lot. They've kind of been mixing. That's like the one position where I really have seen the two of them. I feel like get more or less equal reps with the ones and twos. I think some of that could be that Buki's new. Yeah. That's what I was going to say too, is I, I could see that, but 
I'm pumped about Dom Hampton at safety, dude. Yeah. He had another fantastic play. I forget which running back it was. It was either Cam Davis or Pleasant, and it was Jim. Jimmy talked him up a bunch today too. He did. Like, yeah, he's so, re- looking really good back there, man. I mean, I think it's going to be hard to even hide him at this point. Like, he's, I think he's solidified in that spot. Yeah, I think the only two positions that are maybe up for grabs back there is. For sure, Nickelback, I think, is up for grabs. And then I think the other safety spot is still probably up for grabs. But I think Dom Hampton's locked. And the other thing that I thought of you today that you would appreciate was when they went into, like, their, you know, scrimmage sessions, they broke the field up in half and had the ones and twos playing on one side, rotating in and out on drives, and then the threes and fours on the other Asa Turner was with the threes and fours the entire day. He was not even rotating in with the ones and twos. So we've talked about like attrition. Do you think Asa Turner transfers out after spring? I don't know if he will after spring. I mean, he was a starting safety last year. Yeah. If he's not getting any starter reps, I mean, if he spends the rest of spring practice with the threes and fours, he gone. Yeah. But I don't know if they're just, you know, it's hard. I don't want to read too much into it, but he hasn't looked good. And I don't know what's going on with him, but I don't know if like putting on the extra weight that he needed has slowed him down. Yeah but he just doesn't have the physical nature to his game that you see in some of these other guys. Like Dom Hampton is a violent mofo, man. <laughs> I mean, does he have like some Azim Victor in him, but at the safety position, I, I would say, I mean, like I who would know. you equate him to playing, playing Jojo, out there? Jojo McIntosh. Same. Yeah. Like that's good. I wouldn't say Azim cause Azim was so vocal about it and like taunting and in your yeah. face. And Dom's not like that. I don't get that from Dom. I think he's a quiet killer, kind of like JoJo was. Like JoJo wasn't loud, but if you weren't paying attention to where number 14 was, he'll take your head off. Yeah. And I think that's pretty similar. If I look on the defensive side, like Buki is going to be chirping. I think Eddie can get going too. But ZTF is really that guy for this defense. He is – Yeah super confident, super loud and boisterous in, in practice. And I think that's your like vocal war, war daddy on the team for sure. Yeah. Well, he certainly is coming off pretty good, pretty good little stretch there of the four game season last year. So, yeah, I mean, he's unbelievable to watch <laughs> just to be that big and to move as fluidly as he does, even in coverage situations, he just somebody that big shouldn't be able to move the way that he does. It's just, yeah, it's pretty special. And I think he's going to for sure garner more attention from opposing offenses. Absolutely. He will, but I still think he's going to be in for a good year. I just, I think that's a pro player. Like I look out on the field and there's a couple of players you watch where it's like, okay, that's an NFL player. That's just hanging out for another year. Kate Otten is the most obvious one to me. It's just like, he's on a different level than everyone out there. And then I'd say ZTF is probably number two. And 
Eddie? Maybe. I think Eddie's really good, but he like or I don't one of know the starting that I'm watching. O-Lyman. Yeah, maybe. Like I'm sure there. I mean, there's more NFL players out there, like McDuffie. McDuffie's a good one. But too, there's yeah. just something about ZTF and Kate Otten where it's like, okay, they're really good at the position that they play, but they're also elite from a tangibles perspective of height, weight, size, speed. It's just like that is what an NFL tight end looks like and moves like. Sure. That is what an NFL defensive end looks like and moves like. And, you know, I'd probably put McDuffie in that category. And then the two that, you know, have to prove it on game day that have also kind of stood out to me in that way. One is JV on Sunday, to be honest. Just the way that he looks, like his explosiveness, his strength, he's ripped. And How does his- Caleb Burt Barry look? Sorry to interrupt, like, but um, I'm just curious. He looks like a freshman running back to me. The yeah. one thing that stood out, and I think this maybe has more to do with his hairstyle and his number choice than anything else, but also kind of his stature. He reminds me of Ronald Jones from USC, okay. yep. whereas number 25, he's got his dreads coming out the back of his helmet, and he's kind of got a, a taller, slender build right now. I think mm-hmm. he can probably add bulk to the frame um and i've only seen you know him he was he wasn't there at the first practice i was at but i think javion looks like an nfl running back to me and he's still young i think he's just going to continue to move towards that mold and that build and then the other guy honestly is dom hampton that's what an nfl safety looks like boys (laughs) like he looks no not asa at all um god i was so bad on that call last year <laughs> yeah it was not a good one. <laughs> oh man that might be my worst call like ever in sports as far as just like predictions yeah so never I, again defensively nobody else really stood out to me i know you said alfonso, a couple linebackers alfonso tupatala made some yep. some nice plays he was running on the threes and four side Okay. And he got in for two sacks on one drive and Jimmy Lake was all up in him and giving him high fives and stuff. So he was definitely standing out. He also got an interception. Apparently I didn't, I didn't see that or notice that one, but the dog man guys reported that, that, that he had gotten a pick. Um, so he stood out, which is great to see. And then Danny, the hammer, Haimuli also stood out a little bit. He's starting to, get into his own. And then I noticed some other guys were calling out Josh Calvert looks really fluid and looks like he's finally fully recovered from his knee injury. So he's coming along. I didn't see him do much in practice. Um, They might still be using him in. Yeah. And then I didn't really see much from the D line, to be honest. I didn't see a lot of interior pass rush. They did a pretty good job plugging up holes in the run game, but that's just, it's so hard to see when they're not yeah. actually bringing guys to the ground. Speed, like, really, yeah. You know, Thule or or Taimani could be there, and it would be an easy tackle, and the running back just blows through the line because they right. just touch him. So it's hard to get a read there. Um, but I think for being in our what second Fifth week day. of yeah second week of spring ball, 
think the team looks pretty good. Look, started out sloppy on offense with some pre-snap penalties, which was not yeah. great to see in terms of false start, illegal motions. Especially with like an experienced offensive line too. You wouldn't really expect that, but yeah, I think they got Kate Otten on one. They got Terrell Bynum leaving early on one. Experienced guys. Then I think it might have been Rosengarten on the other. So that was kind of sloppy way to start, but it was a good practice and sunny day in Husky Stadium. Can't beat it. No doubt. Yeah, man. I really that that whole idea with your dad taking the RV down for the spring game sounds really fun. Yeah, I, I think we should do that. I'd I'd really enjoy that. I think that'd be awesome. Just a little bit of normalcy and yeah, it'd feel like a tailgating Saturday. So yeah, great. Yeah, I'll have to talk to him and see if we can't hammer the details on that. But I think it'd be fun. Cool. Yeah. So if you're uh, down there in the parking lot for the spring game, look for the RV. Yeah, we'll be right? there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Come, come say come hi. Come by and say hi. Yeah. Um, can't think if there's anything else that we had to touch on. I don't think there is much else, at least for this episode. Like I said, I think next next week we'll do a mock draft. Um, and I'll get together with Sam and Justin on solidifying what day we'll do that. But um, I'll try to let you guys know via our Twitter account what day we're going to do that. And then week after that's the NFL draft. And that's when we're going to do our YouTube live thing. So um, Justin should be on for that as well. Um, and yeah, we'll hopefully have some listeners tuning into our feed and, you know, interacting with us via the chat feature on YouTube live and asking questions and just having conversation and stuff. We just kind of want to hang out and see if we can do it in a live setting. And obviously I think the NFL draft is a kind of a cool event to be able to do something like that. So we're excited for that and the potential of it. And um, we'll let you guys know on details in the next episode, probably solidifying some of that, some of that stuff, but I think that probably calls calls episode 28 just about a wrap here. Um, as always, thanks for listening, folks. And we appreciate the support. Subscribe and follow if you haven't already. And leave us a message via the anchor link in our description. Until next time. Go Sounders, go M's, go Hawks, and go Dogs! <laughs>